Welcome to Chai with Ping. This is Ping Robert. In this podcast, I cover immigrant stories, cross-cultural experiences, and minority issues. Join me with a cup of chai and take a listen. Yeah. Oh, okay. Awesome. And then let me put a timer because I always forget to. Um. All right. You ready? Yep. Welcome back to Chai with Ping. My name is Ping. Thank you so much for tuning in to my show. Today, we have a very cool guest that I met in Denver. And then she is from Georgia, the country, not the state. And then it's always an introduction that she will say to other people. And I just find it really fun because in, in regular life, at least in my circles, we she's the first person I've met from Georgia. And I really don't know much about her country and her culture. So we're going to dive deeper into it and then talk about some identity and stories of, you know, studying in the U.S. Let's welcome Elena. Yay. Thank you for having me. So excited. Yes. <laughs> I listened to a few episodes with Paco, Juan, and recommend everyone to check those out and super excited. feels like yes. celebrity, you know, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Is this your first time being on a podcast? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And hopefully not last. I hope it's a good experience. Maybe you invite me back. I'm like, I will definitely invite <laughs> already you back. asking for the second. <laughs> yes. Cause I do feel that you're full of stories and then, you know, you're also a person who are really good at sharing stories. So mm -hmm. definitely. Yeah. Yeah. This won't be the last. And I hope my story will be interesting to others. So I know. Excited. Thank you again. So, Elena, you're doing your PhD um, right now, right? And then what is your subject or field of study? So currently I'm a CSU, Go Rams, Colorado State University PhD student, and I'm studying economics. And that's the field that I've been studying maybe a decade now, my yeah. undergrad, my master's, now PhD. So wow. hopefully wrapping it up soon in a year or two, fingers okay. crossed. But that's Oh, yeah, we should graduate together next yeah. year. Seriously. <laughs> yeah, I really want to graduate soon. Wait, so you must be like very passionate about economics. How would oh, you introduce economics so. to other people? Like what do you guys learn and study? So I think the biggest misconception usually is that economics is finance, and that's not how I would introduce it. So economics is just study of people's behavior, their choices, what they prefer, why they buy what they buy, let's say why, you know, supply, demand, the basic concepts. But it's also looking at inequality, poverty, analyzing maybe country relationships. So it can be whatever you want to make out of it. And my goal was always to figure out how to help people, what were the projects, what were the government policies that could impact lives and make people's lives better. So that's how I see economics. But yeah, scarce, scarce resources and trying to use them to the best benefit for, for everyone, I, I suppose, would be how I would define it. Would you focus on the region or it's like an in general? So my current research that everyone would specialize, some would be mm. microeconomists, some would be macro, so like on country scales or on global mm -hmm. scale. Uh, mine would be like migration is one, one topic and it's related to Georgia because that's where I'm from and I'm trying to study impacts of migration on education of kids who are staying home. So if like mother is leaving, she's sending the money, what is the impact on child um, my other topic would be tourism, which would be more larger scale, again, uh, more on Georgia perspective, for example, uh, promoting my country, there are 4 million people living in Georgia, but around 8 million people visit Georgia. 
So I'm trying to study what is the impact when you have this many tourists in a small area or in a small country, is it good for the economy? Is it bringing the stable growth or is it just creating maybe low paying jobs and not really benefiting everyone as it should? As you're doing this kind of research on Georgia, do you often go back and, you know, check things out or you're just doing all the work remotely? Um, so I haven't gone recently, so since mm. COVID, unfortunately, but I think what I'm trying to stay aware of is that not to bring my personal experiences and, and it's always very hard, right? We all are biased. Our experiences define uh, how we see the world, right? But I always try to check things and check different opinions, different uh, resources to see this contrasting views uh, so that I don't try to have some idea of what I think the result is and then just try to find that result in my data, if that makes sense. So I always try to just at least get different sources of um, research, articles, media coverage to know what's uh, going on to be more current. Yeah, you're trying to stay neutral. That's another topic for another day. Because like, yeah. <laughs> I do uh, educational administration uh, subject, well, topics. Mm-hmm. And then it's also a debate. It's like, whether if we can be free of bias or we should probably just embrace it as our perspective. Yeah, and it's very interesting. Um, so what, so I want to talk a little bit about your backgrounds. What do you hope the listener know about you? I think one goal is to know Georgia, right? I, I think like you started, it's unusually wherever I go, uh, be it educational institution or work experience or just social gatherings, I'm one and only Georgian and usually the first one. So my goal would be just to introduce my small country uh, to make people aware of it. And then maybe the second goal would be just to say that all this exchange experiences, they have um, matured me in so many ways and opened my mindset that I encourage everyone who is thinking to participate in sort of exchange program, whether or not go study abroad to, to do it, you know, cause it really, it really improves, improves many things in your life in a way that it extends your horizons. Maybe that's the better way to say it. Um, yeah. And it helps to live in a different country, sometimes far from home to yes. realize how much you love your home and how much yeah. you value the new home that, yeah absolutely yeah so how would you introduce Georgia so it's always funny so my friends everyone knows that when I say I'm Elena and usually international students we always say where we are from right that's the second sentence and I always say I'm Elena from Georgia the country not the state because when you say Georgia I think many reactions people are often confused they're like your accent doesn't sound like from Georgia the state Uh, So most often because Georgia is spelled exactly same as the state, um, it creates confusion. People assume I mean the state. Um, But in general, I always clarify that there is a Republic of Georgia in Eastern Europe near Ukraine, Black Sea, Turkey, Russia on North, a very small country, size of probably South Carolina by area, maybe fourth of Colorado. So not a big by area population around similar to here for two. 4 million. So very small country, but very vibrant. And of course, I'm, I'm biased. But yeah, we, we Georgians call um, Georgia a bridge between Europe and Asia, because that's exactly where we are placed geographically and historically too, with 
Ottoman Empire, Persian Empire, um, Byzantine, all had influenced us and um, formed our culture. So I would say we have this many, many identities uh, that show up in architecture or in cultural um, habits that we have. But yeah, some mix of Europe and Asia, I would say, and uh, very vibrant and hospitable people in a tiny, tiny country between Black Sea and Caspian Sea. Define it. I really want to go and visit because I heard some podcast episodes on that, like for traveling. And then, so for me, I I want to kind of lay down a a foundation for us to understand. What language do you guys speak? So we speak Georgian. Mm. Uh, Is it similar to Russian? No, not at all. So Russian would use Kyrillic alphabet and the base is very different. And Georgian is uh, in the subgroup of Caucasian languages, which is a different group. And we have our own um, alphabet. So it's not similar to Latin or Kyrillic, uh, Cyrillic. um, And we don't have any capital letters, which is sometimes people get it. It's surprising that we don't have capital letters, but most often when people see our alphabet, they say it's like circles and hearts because it's very curvy. Like all the letters are, there's some curvature, but yeah, Georgian language. And I think we have some um, historical archaeological findings from third century BC. So very, very old uh, language. um, What are the neighboring cultures that are similar to Georgian culture? I think that has to go back to a little bit history, but, um, you know, just, just put it as a five-year-old can understand. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that's a tough question. Cause yeah. Or you I, guys I would start own. with neighbors, maybe in general, okay. that like Armenia is a neighbor that mm-hmm. shares some similarities, some culture, but may, maybe in general, like post-Soviet Union countries would be the first most recent history, right, that we somewhat share some things, but like culture, meaning the way we celebrate New Year, maybe, you know, that it's a huge celebration on December 31st, fireworks and etc. Maybe that's somewhat similar. But um, in terms of habits, I'm not sure, I would say just throughout the history, everyone shaped us uh, in every be it invader or a neighbor or a friend you know every every culture uh, had something so for example family is a very big Mm -hmm. um very important part of everyone's uh, values right and relatives and you know elderlies right that would be a very close ties or neighbors knowing neighbors that would be a little bit different maybe like Mm-hmm. neighbor in some some areas of course it varies if you're in a huge city maybe you yes. don't know all your neighbors but in most of the areas you would know your neighbor they're you know almost as a relative you can ask them for help they can rely on you so that would be one thing maybe that is more closer to asia if i can generalize right because it's again every experience of individual humans varies everywhere across the world right but maybe somewhat similar to asia but then some other things would be like the relig- re- religiosity, Christianity is dominant and maybe value of education and, you know, high skilled um, generic population that would be closer to Europe maybe. But yeah, I guess it, it, it varies maybe. Yeah. 
Yeah. What are so? For example, I'm from Taiwan, right? And then、uh, we are heavily influenced by China because we're like Chinese people, and historically we were also colonized by Japanese government. So you know that's the big two factors that that shaped our culture, like Chinese, Japanese, and then so so it's a little bit different from the Chinese society. But then you know Taiwanese, we have our own, and then we have like our tribal people.、Um, but I'm just interested to know like what other factor. Will shape the Georgian culture. So you already mentioned like the Soviet Union, right? Right.、Um, so yeah. So that's political, but political also、exactly. get in, influenced in life and culture. Probably. I mean, of course, there was some influence. So if we start like maybe farther away, that would be like Byzantine Empire, right? That influenced the religiosity part. So Greek Orthodox and closer to Greece in that. Sense、um, so that influenced maybe that aspect, but then we had Ottoman Empire and Persian Empire also dominating. Like they would split the country in half, right? Because they're huge, huge empires,、um, and they would influence some some aspect, right? And then Russia would be the next invader in some some sense, right? Historically speaking, because the location-wise, we are、uh, the Silk Road sort of goes through us, so. It's a very convenient location and location interest of many many empires in past. So I think each of them had its own influence. So it's hard to disentangle which one had what sort of influence, if that makes sense. But yeah, yeah, yeah like I would say, yeah, many, many different things, but mostly a、yeah, political stuff or this this things that affected us. But yeah, yeah, I I I have a hard time coming up with like. Actual examples of like what would be a habit or culture that is more taken from another country, but got it. Like I don't know, eating is a big thing, and hospitality is huge.、Yes. Like when you have guests, guests is、yeah. considered a gift from God, so you have、mm-hmm. to like respect your guests and make、yeah. them as happy as possible. And、yeah. um, like we have traditional Georgian supra, which would be huge table、um, with. Tons of food on it, like almost layers of plates of food, and everyone is sharing it, right? It's like everyone is sitting. It's not like each individual orders a special meal, but it's like common, more most famous Georgian dishes、um, on the table, and then you you try everything, and then there is a person who is、uh, giving toasts. Like wine is a big part of the culture because we have three hundred types of grapes, if I'm not mistaken. So. People make lots of wine, and wine is like a part of、uh, almost all gatherings and festivities. And this person toasts, and there is a like rules what he toasts after what. Like he can't start randomly, so he's like a professional toast maker. So usually, I think they start with God. The first toast is to God. The second toast would be if it's a wedding to bride and groom. If it's for a birthday, it's for the birthday person, and it goes on, and like then siblings and parents and you know friends, and then like it's a fun um, cultural um, celebration, I would say, for foreigners. Like they they sit and everyone toasts, and you know it's like for some people probably weird too. Like what's happening? Like he is on his twentieth toast. Let us dance. You know, even Georgian people are like, stop for now. We want to like you know have fun, but. It's it's kind of like another cultural aspect that I I don't know if it happens in other countries in that manner maybe, 
because I'm sure every country has its own like hospitality rules, right? Definitely. Or, yeah, we definitely don't have 20 toasts. <laughs> and then yeah, and 20 <laughs> is good if they stop at 20, you know. <laughs> it's probably five will be the max. It's like people want to eat. But did you mention that you so after dinner, do you guys dance? So not usually after dinner. So Georgian wedding, and if I'm, I need to recollect my memory. I haven't attended one in recent, yeah. <laughs> recent past, but a uh, wedding would be like, it lasts hours and lots of food, right? But the toast maker, he stops also. Like he first makes the toast, everyone drinks. Then there's music, dance, then he makes another toast and no one should kind of talk. Everyone listens to him. And then, you know, everyone says the same words and, you know, and sometimes it's very poetic. Like it's not just like he he says a poem regarding that toast, you know, like I remember one time this one, I was very little. And if I may share the story is like the weirdest toast I think I have heard and probably they're even crazier and funnier stories was the guy was saying this toast is, he, he first asked, sorry, he first asked like, have you all been to cemeteries? And we were like, yes. And then he's like, do you know how on the stone, the gravestone, it says the year of birth and year of death? And we we're like, yes. And then he's like, do you know there's a dash in between those numbers? And we we're like, yes. And he said, this toast is for the dash, meaning for life. And everyone is like, you know, like he says it, it's so poetically, so seriously, you know, and like, yeah, this yeah. is so deep for life. You know, like it can be very, depending on the skill set of the person, it can mm -hmm. be very, very artistic you know yes. done in a very artistic way and wow. uh, there's always like toast for dead relatives and the way he makes a toast it might make everyone cry even. you know like so it's like entire like <laughs> process but he stops he has to stop in between so that people eat and then people dance so that's another like skill if he's really good he knows when to stop how long the pause should be kind of thing and families usually choose ex like uh, for a wedding, you would choose who would be the toast maker sort of thing, you know, and it's mostly for like, I don't know if younger generation, the, like everyone does it still that way, because it's more like traditional way, but older generation definitely does it. And like, my dad would list, like, this guy is good for, let's say, weddings, you know, so to stop, you know, we choose him and you ask him to be a toast maker. And it's kind of like a, a big, huge gathering in this person making the toasts <laughs> ah, very interesting and then that that reminds me of like there's a club like public public speaking club called toastmaster oh so okay. it's like yeah so i'm like huh that's just the mc the master of ceremony that you guys are right. talking about so that's a big part of your festivals or parties right very right and it cool. kind of shows like respect right the mm -hmm. way he chooses toast is also shows yeah. respect so yeah it's interesting thing that i have not seen in any other uh, culture yeah. yet so so you already mentioned family and food and so these are like some bigger values that you have are there other important identities or value that you have while you're growing up um i think in in general the way our school system is set up, the history, learning history of our country is very crucial. And maybe it's partially because now we are such a small, small country and maybe not, you know, recognized in a sense of like, not everyone in the world knows about Georgia, right? But we want to preserve our history and know that we have so many 
has stories that we can be proud of and that that is um, maybe patriotic spirit um, in a sense that you know that this country existed for centuries and so many people have sacrificed maybe their life uh, to to defend its independence and that that has a crucial value and I think the other one that unites everyone is the independence aspect because again with all the history stuff and Soviet Union we never we meaning I think Georgians never wanted to be part of Soviet Union so we really value the freedom and that comes as a common uh, regardless of political affiliations I think everyone feels the same that freedom and independence and our language and uh, our faith is very crucial part of what defines uh, modern Georgia maybe yeah, that's a, I think maybe luck, most of it. Uh, and some of it is just uh, being in the right place at the right time. But in general, I should clarify that even though Georgia is such a small country, it's still very um, multinational or there are many ethnicities that live together. Like in my tiny, I, I'm not from the capital, I'm from the city next to capital. But even in my town, like my neighbors, they were Azeris from Azerbaijan. We had neighbors from Armenia. We had ethnic Ossetians. So it was a vibrant community. So from, from the beginning, um, I was exposed to different cultures. And my mom, so my grandmother from my mother's side is Russian. And she lived with us in Georgia for years. And so from beginning, there was this, um, from the young age, I was exposed to different cultures. So I, I, it was always fun. And then for the U.S. aspect, there was exchange uh, program. Uh, so Department of State has a program for post-Soviet Union countries. They created it after 90s, after the Cold War and everything. They wanted to create friendships between post-Soviet Union countries and Americans because the unfortunate experience of Cold War, the tension, the people were tense against each other, right? And everyone had the stereotypical attitude of are they our enemy or we are their enemy and et cetera. So, I think this program, Future Leaders Exchange Program in short flex that State um, Department of State created is fabulous because it has been going for more than 20 years. They, um, from Georgia, they usually pick 50 students every year. There is an English test examination, very competitive. Many, many students apply and they choose 50 students from all over the Georgia. So not just big cities from different regions. And then they send you to US for one year uh, you're living with a host family uh, in one of the states that they determine, and you are just living an American life. You're going to your um, high school. So that's how I ended up uh, coming to U.S. when I was 17. I was junior in high school, and the state that I ended up coming to was Idaho. And it was, I think, random too. It just some family there, um, my second family, I would say, um, they volunteered to host me for free. So they were just kindest people. They, they still are. Uh, and they, they hosted me for one year. And now looking back at it, and every time I talk to them, I'm like, thank you. Because as a teenager, I was horrible, horrible teenager, probably. And, you know, like I had this expectation that, oh, I'm coming to US. I'm like a guest, you know, but they were amazing, like amazing host family and amazing memories I have with them. And that was my first encounter with, uh, with the US. And that was a big culture shock, I would I would say. Do you want to do a shout out to your host family? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like um, Kathy, I call Kathy mom because uh, Kathy Aww. was my host mom yeah. and Daniel, uh, my host dad. And 
they came for my master's graduation to Denver and they met my real parents after okay. I think eight or nine years. So they hosted <laughs> Your real me. parents. Yeah, like biological <laughs> parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I suppose. But that was amazing. And my wow. big um, request in the application was that I, I'm an only child. Yeah. So I wrote like, I want a big family. So mm. they have three sons and daughter and they have three dogs and horse. And, you know, it was like, wow, like in movies sort of that I'm finally getting my, uh, my big, big American family <laughs> kind of thing. And they're the kindest people anyone would ever meet. And um, hello to them from here if they by chance listen to this. And thanks again. I think every success and every exchange that later I participated was thanks to them because they mm -hmm. were very encouraging. And they, with my horrible English, probably they, ne I never felt that it was bad, you know, because yeah. they were so supportive, so helpful, so kind that it was just, they were encouraging me to keep going and studying more and improving myself, I suppose. Yeah. So. Wow. So that was a wonderful year in high school that you study in the yeah. U.S. And then so when you went back, you finished your high school, then you went to Turkey for three and a half years. And then it's like <laughs> then I'm back. I guess then I'm back. Yeah. Now I'm back. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's like so. Wait, so after Turkey, you also studying economics. And then how did you make that choice to come back to the U.S.? So I think another Maybe big thank you to everyone in my life because mm -hmm. Turkey was a great experience. But in, in general, when I after Idaho, maybe because I was so little or young, I was 17. And back then, I think Facebook, everything was there, but wasn't as developed. So I wouldn't talk to my family every day. And I was like, OK, I need to go back, go back home to be closer because the distance between Idaho and Georgia was too huge for me. And I missed my friends and family. So I was like, I'm going back to Georgia and I'm never coming back to U.S. attitude because uh, it, it was just very different sort of because Idaho is also like the place I lived near Caldwell. It was rural and my city was like, even though small country, like crazy busy city. And I was like, I miss this city, city life. So when I returned back to Georgia and I applied for colleges and univer universities back home, I, I realized that I'm missing something. You know, I, I think it's like an addiction that once you start traveling and living abroad, you want to continue and you want to learn more about other cultures. And Turkey seemed like, okay, great option in a sense that it's neighboring country, it's close enough. So if I ever need to visit, I can visit during the weekend if something happens or any, any um, holiday, I can come back. So I was like, I will go to Turkey and study there for my undergrad. And Turkey was amazing experience. And then thanks to Turkey and my school there, they sent me to France. I studied there. And then I don't know, it was a decision that I still needed a master's. I felt like because for economics, um, bachelor's was good, but it was still basic and it was a very passionate field. And I applied for schools in Europe and only school that I applied in the U.S. was University of Denver. And if you ask me why, I, I mean, I, I don't know, maybe in a sense, but it has a heterodox economics program. So it's it, they they um they introduce it to all sorts of economic theories they're not only mainstream and i i like that aspect so i was like denver it is then the the theory that they teach is very close to my heart and i want to go to denver maybe and i got accepted from like germany and spain and i was like oh my heart goes to spain though you know but my professor in turkey was like no if you really want to do you know, study economics, all the data, all the great research institutions are in US. So he recommended that 
there is this opportunity, you get full scholarship, you can teach, this experience will be awesome. So he, he advised me to go to Denver. And I was like, why not? Why, why not Denver? Denver is good. So that's how I ended up in Denver in 2015. Well, feels like a long time ago. but <laughs> So how, how did you first feel when you landed in Denver? So I think um, expectations were not there at all in a sense mm-hmm. that Idaho and living in Idaho was such a huge experience. And maybe I should explain to the audience. Um, so when you are in Georgia, when I was growing up, I used to watch Hollywood movies. So the image of U.S. is like L.A. or New York City, you know, you're like, wow, U.S., everyone is super rich. And, you know, like you have this uh, stereotypical um, view of U.S., you know, and then this program uh, that I participated in, they deliberately put you in uh, states or cities where you can actually experience somewhat rural uh, or real America, right? Real America, maybe not rural necessarily, in a sense to, for you to realize that New York is not representative of the whole U.S., right? So, that was like when I landed in Idaho, I was like, this, this is not my stop because it looked like, you know, very rural and small. Right. And that was the first culture shock. Uh, and first month was really, really hard because I was a junior in high school. Everyone had cars and I was the one only one on the bus, school bus going to school, you know, and that was also like, wow, this is weird and everything. And, you know, we, we didn't have close neighbors. So that's what, that was when I, realized that, you know, my expectations were totally different and the reality was totally different. And one thing that I learned during that year, and that's thanks to my mentors, was that things are not better or worse. They're just different. So that one year helped me so much that when I went to Turkey or France or even Denver, I didn't have any like expectations sort of thing. I was like, it's going to be different. It's not going to be better or worse. It's just going to be different. And I remember when I came to Denver, the happiest piece uh, about Denver was rail, the train, because I was like, yeah, I still don't know how to drive. So as long as there's public transportation and as long as I can uh, ride a bike, I can survive in Denver. So I, I remember that was one that I was like, public transportation is key. I need I need to get to school somehow. <laughs> but otherwise, no, no, no expectations um, yeah. ahead of time. If- okay. And then you have family in the U.S., right? So were they also in Colorado? So I didn't have any family in Colorado or in in oh. U.S. at the time when I came, okay. except my, I guess, host family in Idaho. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. yeah, but they were in a different state. But I didn't know anyone when I came to Denver. Okay. Um, like nobody was here. But yeah, my parents came later on. So now okay. my parents live in Colorado. But and yeah, no, no relatives. In U.S. that I am aware okay. of, I don't. I am yeah. like thinking, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. yeah, are you the only child, or you have siblings too? Only child, yeah. Oh, so that's a, yeah. Okay. Not not fun. Not fun. <laughs> <laughs> so that's important that your your family are here. I mean, your parents. Yeah, like, I yeah. think for me and for them, yeah, it's 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 kind of strange because last twelve years I have been studying and living abroad. Yes. And it's finally last few years that they are in the same country yeah. or same, same area that I am. So I think they are, they need me. I need them. So it's a yeah, blessing. Yeah, yeah. You're usually the only Georgian as an international student in on your campus, probably. Right. And then 
are there any challenges that you're you're facing studying in the U.S. or it's just oh very rosy and happy? I don't know. That's a great question. Um, I think yeah, my experience have been that I am usually the only student from Georgia, except for uh, color in University of Denver. I was only one at Colorado State. There were two other girls, and their names were Elena's too. But one graduated before me, so I didn't really. We were not there at the same time, but I met her, and one graduated like after me. Or it, it's just, but yeah, it was like crazy fun that we were like three girls from Georgia and three Elena's. But um, for University of Denver, I was the only one, and I, I'm with challenges. I'm not. I, I nothing comes like the first. Now that you ask, like first thing that would come. I think the blessing piece or the benefit of it was that because I'm the only one, I don't have my country people to stick with in a sense. So I had to like meet all the international students. So, and I made so many friends from so many different countries. And that was the benefit that like, it pushes you when you don't have anyone from your own comfort zone sort of thing, it pushes you to meet everyone else. And that was definitely a big uh, benefit. Um, and no, no big challenges. It just, yeah, always confusion. When I th- say I'm from Georgia, it's like, it's always confusing. Uh, co- it, it creates confusion, but I think overall, nothing, nothing um, different than any other international student would have, I think, because there are so many challenges for international students in, in general. Right. Uh, and I, I would not say that anything for me was different, uh, different uh, than most students experience. You came to the U.S. after you studied in Turkey. And then so you already had that, you know, English taught mm-hmm. courses exposure. So then do you think English language has, um, was a big problem for you while oh, you're... That's an excellent uh, question. Yeah. I think it was not because, as mm. you said, um, studying in Turkey, the program was in English and uh, I, I communicated with everyone in English most often. So... Mm. that prepared me to be ready for the English instruction here and to like maybe improve my language and um, to think in English sometimes maybe so yeah that English was not a barrier Uh, Mm. but I think it still is when I write Um, in my writing I'm very I sometimes don't have a feeling of what I wrote is it good or not like what would native reader or native yeah. speaker think yeah. I think that's one piece that I'm always like double checking uh this doesn't does it sound good or yeah, not yeah, so yeah, yeah yeah it's like we can tell whose writing is good but we never know like how to mm-hmm. evaluate our writing like how good or how bad or what to change sometimes yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think that hum- comes hard because like when I read books in Georgian I can sense like, oh, this is written so beautifully. Or, you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. you can um, see the talent, let's say, right? Yes. But in English, that doesn't happen to me as much mm. or maybe at all. Like I can't maybe distinguish the masterpiece from a good writing, let's say. Yeah. Right? So that's that writing is still a, still a challenge, I would say. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, yeah. Huh. You know, the big chunks of challenges international students will face in the U.S. are like, you know, for example, language is the first one and then cultural um, and sometimes finances, like because mm-hmm. like the financial pressure and the currency exchange and all that. And then sometimes I have mental health issues because like uh, homesickness or, or the social life also, you know, it's just 
hard for them to adjust like how do you see yourself in the American circles because you made a lot of friends with international students um do you feel it's easier to make friends with American students I my experience has been that when I came to U.S. at least for my graduate studies uh, for University of Denver first right it was easiest to make friends with international students And thanks to the orientation program that International House organized, right? Like from week one or day one, you're like meeting this, all these people who are newcomers. And usually they are the ones who you ask like, okay, where did you get your dishes? You know, or like basic questions that, or the struggles that we all go through sort of like unite us. So it was easier to make friends with international students, I would say. With American students, I was lucky maybe that my cohort was split half-half. So we had half international uh, students and half were American students. And the American students were very, very kind. And like, that's how I made some of my American friends. It's from my program. I would not say I met anyone out, like outside too much, like on campus or anything. But my classmates were the first American friends that I made. And they were also fantastic and They were, you know, willing to like come and celebrate something or try Georgian food or something like that, you know, but it was a fun, fun gathering. But it was it was sort of harder, harder in a sense. And I, I don't know why harder, maybe. But yeah, because it, it felt like there's already this international bubble uh, that <laughs> I was part of. But um, another great person was my roommate. So she was from Colorado. And I think that was another deliberate choice. And it was same when I studied in Turkey, I was like, okay, my roommate has to be Turkish so that, you know, someone introduces me to culture. because otherwise like um, you don't experience the culture, maybe like you live in the country, but you, know, you don't really know everything. And that same choice, when I came to university of Denver, I was like, okay, I need a roommate and hopefully, you know, a uh, preference wise, like someone local who can again introduce and, she was awesome she was great she taught me all the american football rules that i i think i would never <laughs> never have done in my <laughs> leisure time but that was the year when broncos won and her family hosted this huge football party and i got to see how like americans celebrate you know uh, and watch football and they see their team team win but yeah roommates and my classmates i think were the american friends but with international students it was like anyone who was international on campus I kind of knew them. They kind of knew me. It was kind of a big, big family. After being outside of Georgia for so long, it's like almost half of your life, right? And mm. how do you deal with that root, cultural root, or, you know, you're constantly speaking your second language and then mm. outside your, your comfort zone? Or maybe is Georgia your comfort zone anymore? Yeah, that's a... Exactly, correctly posed question, I would say, because mm. what is the root then, you know, because, of course, I am one of the very patriotic persons, and I hope I can, all the education that I have acquired, I hope to um, somehow help my people and, you know, invest and do something important there, too. And I love my country, and it has definitely shaped, shaped who I am. But as you said, you know, after living so many years abroad, I don't like, of course, my home country is Georgia, but I don't know what's my comfort zone in a sense that living in Turkey was amazing. Like another like and again, I, I am so lucky with so many like wherever I went, I had amazing people like Turkish people, people there 
were so kind, so friendly, so, so nice. They taught me Turkish, you know, and my, of course, that's my personal experience. And it varies like um, based on other students who were there or who are in the U.S., right? Everyone's experience is different, but it was, it was such a happy four years or three and a half years there that I miss it so much. I'm like, where are my undergrad friends? And we all met on Zoom and, you know, so many like international friends I made there too. Like there were so many students from Balkans and from African countries and like that I would have never met in Georgia, you know? Um, and I think that shaped that now I don't know where my root is. And now like the example I always tell my parents or my friends is like, when I watch Olympics, I have so many countries to support now, you know, like my best friend is from Burkina Faso, like West Africa. And I'm like, oh, I see her flag. And I'm like, yeah, you know, like I'm cheering for her country and I see Turkish flag. And I'm like, yeah, go Turkey, you know, and I feel part of all those countries or people or, you know, nations that I have heard of and that contributed. And I, 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 I don't know, at different times I came across. So it's same like with us, you know, I'm like, Oh, Colorado, you know, go, go like the hockey, they win. Oh yeah. You know, like it's, it's, it's kind of like you realize that we have so many similarities across these cultures that you're like, yeah, I mean, like it's, it's comfortable wherever you, you meet this good, nice people. I think, you know, like you're happy wherever this, wherever your family is maybe, and wherever this good friends of yours are. So yeah, I, I think now I wouldn't say that Georgia is, Georgia is still the root, but I think going back to Georgia would be even harder than living abroad because I'm used to being international student, right? Which, which, as you said, you know, has so many challenges, but it also creates your identity, right? My country moved on, right? Traditions, like things have, could have changed there too in this 12 years, right? That I assume maybe they haven't changed, right? Because in my image, it's still the way it was when I left, right? And of course, I visited during holidays, it's summer, winter and everything, but things probably changed there too. And it would be another like culture shock probably to go back and relearn how things are done in my home country. So yeah, that would be probably another another experience if, if that will happen. What about your language? Do you do you miss speaking Georgian? Not maybe not too much, maybe because mm. my parents are here and they mm. we speak with each other and we talk every day. We speak uh, in Georgian, and then I I am a huge oh maybe not a good thing to say, but I love this uh, TV shows and everything Georgian ones because maybe that that's what I compensate for homesickness. I watch like. TV shows or TV series that I might not have watched if I lived in Georgia, but that kind of keeps me connected. So I always listen to Georgian news. I listen to Georgian TV series and I'm like, yeah, I know what's happening, you know? So I try to stay connected with my country as much as I can. And yeah, I, I like, I check news every day. So that, that compensates maybe for the homesickness and the language. And then we talked about food earlier, right? And how about that? Do you do you still cook your own food or you kind of are able to eat anything and everything? Um, now I eat everything. And, and again, that's a big uh, thanks to US that it has so many different kinds of food that I got introduced to. 
One thing, spicy food is still not my <laughs> not my thing. Some Georgians do love it, and they can they can eat spicy food. Not not me, at least not yet. Uh, but I do miss Georgian Georgian food, and uh, Georgian community in Colorado is growing. It's when I came, there were barely maybe five people in the entire state, or maybe ten. Now there are a little, little bit more. So. I know some of them cook really great and there is a small place that makes Georgian cheese bread. If anyone loves cheese and bread, oh, Georgian cheese bread is like the best thing. So, you know, let me know. We can go try it or I can try to make it. Oh, and yeah. So. Yes, I would definitely go with you and I'll share yeah. pictures with his listeners. Oh, my oh, yeah. cheese bread. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we have tons of different types of cheese breads. One is like mm. boat shaped and baked and oh it's oh now I'm hungry <laughs> but yeah the Georgian food is still something that yeah it's hard to find it in New York or LA you would be able to find it I try to make it but it's I'm not that great my mom is great but <laughs> I'm I, I make it as as well as I can <laughs> yeah wow what do you hope to see in your future well, that's a very global question mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah I, I don't I, hmm. I think one thing that I would change from what I currently have is that I want to be able to travel more and meet the people who I have met and the one one big issue with being international student is like every location you go you make friends and then people graduate people go to back to their countries or people go to another state, or people go to, you know, things change, right? And it's so hard to reconnect with everyone and keep in touch, even if there is WhatsApp, Facebook, all this social media stuff. It's hard because everyone has their own uh, life and everyone is super busy. But I would love one day to just be able to visit all this amazing people that I met because they're all over the world, you know, and I, I can't wait to like go and see them in their own countries to learn more about their own country. So maybe that would be my future goal, kind of dreamy traveler that I want to see all these people again and thank them. And maybe I want to take them all to Georgia one day, you know, and show them the Toastmaster, you know, <laughs> who will be like toast to Elena's friends and health to them. So yeah, that's maybe a dreamy, dreamy kind of goal. Yeah. Do you, so, oh, that would be really cool. Do you envision that you're, your wedding will be in Georgia? Hmm. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Could be. Yeah. Could be. Yeah. Just for that, Toastmaster. <laughs> <laughs> Just for that. Because yeah. yeah, it used to be a huge, huge weddings. And I'm mm. now I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, oh, I can't imagine that many people in my wedding. But now that you suggested it, I'm like, oh, I can invite like all of God. the friends from all of this as many countries that I met yeah, and, you know, as a special occasion yeah 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 that would be awesome that would be Ooh. fun yeah. wine and cheese bread and Georgian dumplings and Georgian absolutely kind of yes. barbecued meat yeah do let me know when you have that wedding yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right so we talked so much about your culture your background and then some important things for you and also your whole journey being an international student Uh, mainly in the U.S. and we'll probably dig uh, deeper um, in another episode about, you know, Turkey or France. Um, Before we wrap up, is there anything else that you didn't mention that you want to add? 
Oh, no. Uh, I can talk for hours, so I will not <laughs> mention anything now because we have talked and it's so always fun to see you and talk. And wow. yeah, and thank you. I, I remember you introduced me to the Georgian student in mm. University of Denver. She contacted me. She's like, Ping, I met Ping and she said, there's another Georgian girl. And, you know, yeah. you're like, oh, I'm like, yeah, another student at DU, you know. So it was a great <laughs> celebration. And I just yeah. want to thank you for what you're doing, um, not only the podcast, but all the other work I know with so many organizations with international students you have um, gathered us so many times you know so thank, thank you. you thank you so yeah. much how do people find you do you want to be found i would prefer email if that that would work i can sure. provide my email and people yeah. can email me or yeah and if need to be at some point social media but i'm working on uh decreasing my time on social media mm, so yes, email would as be a doc student yeah yeah yeah, yeah understandable yeah, yeah. yeah so. sure so i will put the email in the episode note and your listeners you can also reach out to me if you want to pass on any message to elena it has been a fruitful conversation i truly enjoyed it thank you so much for coming elena thank you thank you Thanks for listening to Chai with Ping. If you think someone will benefit from this episode, don't forget to share it with them. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. If you like my show, you can buy me some chai with small donations. Details are in the episode notes. Till next time.